You don't have to know a lot of things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in the world. But you do need to know a few things that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them. Will I let Jesus prove to me that he's truly my strength? To let him prove inside of me that through him I can do all things. The True Strength Life Podcast with Aaron Simpkins. TrueStrengthApparel.com for clothing you'll love with a message you can trust. That's TrueStrengthApparel.com. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the True Strength Life Podcast. Aaron Simpkins here, your host, TrueStrengthApparel.com owner. And uh, I have another interview, interview, yeah, easy for me to say, right, for you guys. And this one is with Jeremy Pryor. Jeremy Pryor, Pryor with a P. Uh, this guy is an incredible dude. He's, he's in, involved in a lot of, um, a lot of different things. He's an entrepreneur, um, uh, an author, a speaker, uh, and, and really his main focus is family ministry. And he's real big on using biblical principles to build up the family unit, the, the family team as, as he has deemed it. And so I, I love all the work that he does, and I was very thankful that, that uh, he, he agreed to do a, an interview with me. Um, so I, I hope that you guys will enjoy this and uh, check out all the show notes for all the links to all the things that he has and things that he does. So you can, you can look at what he does and, and get more information on him and also get more of his, uh, his products and, and services. And uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this at the end. Um, at the end of his uh, of the interview, he'll give all the ways that you can follow him and, and find him. So um, go do that. I highly suggest it, especially if you're somebody who's interested in growing stronger as a family, um, growing stronger in your marriage. Um, those are his two his two biggest things that he's about, um, and again, all grounded uh, biblically. So, if you are a Christian, and if you are somebody who wants a husband, wants a wife, or already has a husband or a wife, um, and is looking to have kids, or wants to have kids, or already has kids, so again, I, so basically, I just covered just about every person. Um, that's a Christian, you need to, you need to listen to this. You need to, to follow a guy like this and you need to check out the work that he does. Um, he's a great guy to, to gain insight from and a great resource. And, and all the things that he offers are great resources to just help build you up in these ways. Um, yeah. So enjoy this, check it out. All right, let's go. All right, we're back here with another episode of the True Strength Life podcast. Aaron Simpkins, your host and owner of truestrengthapparel.com. I have a very special guest here with me. 
Jeremy Pryor, somebody who um, is is an amazing entrepreneur, amazing father, husband, and somebody who is really about pushing the the values of family in a biblical sense. And I'm uh, I'm very glad and, and blessed that we uh, we as as in my my listeners, you guys, and and me that we get the chance to talk to him and just hear from him, hear what he has to say, uh, and hear about what he's doing. So. Um, yeah, Jeremy, if, if uh, you can kind of introduce yourself real quick, and then we'll we'll get into it. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Uh, really, my pleasure to be with you, and uh, excited to talk about this stuff. So, yeah, my name's Jeremy. Uh, me and my wife, April, live in kind of the Cincinnati, northern Kentucky area. Uh, we have five kids um, from uh, ages 20 down to 11. Uh, we started a bunch of different companies, and uh, like Aaron said, I think really we feel like our passion and calling is to try to understand what was in God's heart uh, and mind as the architect of family and just have found just so much hope um, as we've kind of uh, gotten to go deeper into what that looks like and a lot of healing, I know, for our family. And so, yeah, we're, we're really excited to, to share this with, with whoever is interested in trying to figure this, this crazy thing called family out. That's what we're doing definitely is a is a crazy thing <laughs> um but you know god has a uh, god has a, a role for it and and a purpose for it and uh, and i think everything that you've created has has helped show that and and you're helping others find that uh within their families um so if you could talk a little bit about the family teams movement and and some of the materials you guys offer and, and books and and all that kind of stuff yeah so i mean it's it's a huge deal to decide to change your philosophy of family. Most people, you know, 99% of the people who are building a family, raising a family, they have adopted a philosophy of family from their parents, from their past, from their culture, and they just kind of move on. Um, but if you decide that the philosophy of family you've inherited is not maybe in line with the Bible, with what was in God's mind, um, and you want to make a transition, then it's a very, that's a very challenging thing to do. And so what Family Teams is all about is if you want to transition from kind of a typical Western idea that family is just a collection of individuals and we're trying to help you know, each member of the family achieve individual success, that's kind of the Western idea. If you want to transition from that to thinking about family as a team, maybe even more than that as a multi-generational team on mission, then you've got to be kind of re-equipped. Um, because it's really hard to uh, resist not only everything that the culture is telling you and, and is doing with regards to family, but often for most of us, the way we were raised and kind of just the own internal patterns and intuitions that we have. And so family teams is really, you know, first of all, trying to expose people to the fact that you get to pick, you know, like you get, you, this is a decision you have to make, you should make intentionally. What kind of family do you want to build? What kind of family do you feel is, in line with scriptures. And if you choose to adopt a philosophy family, like a family team, as opposed to a collection of individuals, then you're going to need to kind of be re-equipped. And so that's the, that's the rest of family teams is really, how do we do that? And we do that through like live events, a lot of workshops that we do in different parts of the country. Um, we do that through books and a podcast. We get the five minute fatherhood, dad's building teams. Um, we just published a book, family revision. And then we also have an online community called Homeroom, 
where we publish content every week uh, and then have lots of interaction with uh, families on there. And so we've, we've got some other other outlets as well, but those are the main ways that we are right now trying to um, re-equip families who are making this transition. Awesome. I'm actually, uh, I, I, I got the audio book for Family Revision, and I think I'm about halfway through it. Uh, cool. So I'm really, really appreciating that book and learning a lot from it. And it's also, it. I think you might even mention this in the book. Um, I should remember. But uh, when when we look at this at scripture as a whole through through the lens of uh, a family, um, it does kind of also change, or, or not necessarily change, but give us a better understanding of scripture as a whole. I think. Yeah. Um, so I, I that's something I definitely really appreciated. And, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's a family story, you know, in many different layers. You got obviously the the way that God is telling the story from from the divine perspective of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, why is he using words like Father? Why is he using words like Son? Um, and how is that playing out when he says that he adopts us into his household? Um, so everything from beginning to end, even the way Jesus talked about his relationship with the church is as a husband and wife. And um, so you got that layer, then you got the layer of Abraham, you know, so basically most of the stories of the Bible are trying to follow the the pattern of the line of a particular multi-generational family line. And that's why you have so many genealogies in the Bible. And so our view of family doesn't make sense of hardly any of that. And, and it's, it's a real sort of master stroke of the enemy that if you can confuse people's idea about family, you will not only kind of destroy their understanding of their ability to follow sort of the scriptural story or understand why different pieces are in it, but like you said, you even, even, you know, we'll get confused about who God is and how God is trying to reveal himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So, yeah, it's a, there's a lot of stake in this conversation besides just our own families uh, functioning. Yeah, definitely. I think that's so true. Um, so with this, uh, with this view, was, was, this something, was this something that you were, were raised with, or did you kind of, I guess, piece this all together as, as time went on? Yeah, definitely um, was something that, like, I, I was raised in the Seattle area, so I, I, in this, I, I came from a Christian family that, you know, we, we were we were taught the Bible, and my parents were really faithful and stayed married, but the culture that we grew up in, both the Christian culture and the sort of the, the culture just in the Northwest, um, definitely did not have these ideas of family anywhere. Um around us. And so I didn't even see this. And as I was getting older, you just see a lot of us, you know, live in kind of the ruins of family. And um, particularly, I feel like where I grew up, it just was so bad that it just felt like a really bad idea. Like, you know, if you were to get to hit reset button, why would you invest in marriage and children and family? It's just totally dysfunctional. Um, divorce rates that, you know, where I was living were well above 50%. Um, not great answers given by the church other than just, you know, maybe focus more on your family, but, but never getting to the root of why it seems so difficult, uh, or almost impossible. Um, so yeah, for me, I just, I had kind of, I, I was, I was really losing any interest, honestly, in the idea of family. It just felt like a, a bad idea. Uh, as a Christian, I was like, okay, I, you know, I feel like, you know, somewhat obligated to, participate, you know, through marriage and, um, 
you know, and, and I can't just innovate my way out of this, <clears throat> but, um, but I, you know, not something I wanted to think about a whole lot or was terribly excited about. Um, my, my story really was that I went directly from that being my only experience of life, essentially. I mean, I, that, I was just immersed in that culture on the West Coast to suddenly being in the Middle East, in Jerusalem, um, doing a semester abroad and uh, just surrounded by new ideas. And, and for me, it was really in that transition and just that stark contrast that I began to realize for the first time that what we were living out as family was really the results of, of a Western idea, not the results of a biblical mm-hmm. idea. Um, because I started to interact with uh, families, particularly Jewish families that were living in modern culture, but were living a completely different family narrative. And when I asked, where did you guys get this idea? And, you know, why are you just kind of going along with the traditional, the current modern Western narrative of family, you know, the response was the Bible and particularly Abraham and his example as a model father. And so from that point, I started piecing together this massive contrast, which was the way that the Bible talks about family, the way that God talks about it, you know, from Genesis 1 on, the way that Abraham, the patriarchs, and other families in the Bible really modeled the idea of family. You know, they all had their own real flaws as humans. But I, I don't think one of the things that was as flawed about them was their understanding of what was in God's heart. We, they were a lot closer to those ideas. And to see them being lived out by modern families that tended to be much healthier with lower divorce rates, with much closer ties, especially generationally across generations, um, it, be, it began to really uh, become very clear to me that we are really suffering from bad ideas about family, not just bad practices. And so began to piece together from there. Yeah, it it, it sounds like if if you, I guess if you get down to the beginning of it, um, something that I'm big on is is foundations. You know, making sure the foundation is is correct and and set and strong. Um, yeah. And it sounds like you you kind of saw firsthand and experienced people who were living it from their their foundational view of family was was biblical was correct. And yeah. you saw the difference in what that makes compared to, I guess, your regular life in America. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's so cool. Because and you even mentioned you even mentioned divorce rates were are much lower. Um, you know, and and simply just because we we again we live in an individual society. So if if the marriage isn't working for me, then you know, all right, I'll, I'll see you later and maybe get a maybe go on to a better one. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you, you can contrast uh, sort of two stories, which is if you're taught your whole life that that you're the center of the story and you as an individual and your experience is what's most important and you're 20 years into a marriage that's really not fulfilling to you, um, it really doesn't make a lot of sense to stick with it and if that's the story, right? And I think that that's where a lot of people in our culture um, start and end, and their conclusions to abandon the marriage, even maybe after investing, you know, a decade or more, um, can can be understandable, you know, given their idea about what family is and what marriage is and what life is. But if you imagine 
that you see family as this multi-generational line. And for thousands of years, your, you know, your ancestors have been building up and building up and have been accumulating knowledge and wisdom and maybe even assets and stories and identity, and they pass it on to you. And you're one small snippet of time, your generation, and you've got this baton for a very short period of time before you're gone. And your job is to steward that and pass that faithfully on to the next generation so that all that has been accumulated and preserved can be uh, given to your children and your grandchildren, and your great grandchildren to abandon that because you're having a momentary, you know, individual frustration with maybe a, a relationship. <laughs> it's like you can understand how different those stories are and how one would lead to rampant divorce rate, rates and the other one would lead to just a lot more fighting for the marriage, fighting for the family and uh, pouring your life into making sure that you preserve all that has been entrusted to you. And that you're not easily and quickly abandoning something that is so incredibly valuable. Uh, but that doesn't resonate with people in modern Western culture because if all you have to do is ask people, name your great grandparents. And if you can't name your great grandparents, then you don't believe what I just, that second story. Um, because it, it isn't, hasn't been passed to you. You know, in essence, what you've been taught is that those who have died a hundred years ago don't have a lot of relevance, at least not enough relevance to even know their name. And, um, wow. that, that's our idea of family. We think that's, that's, that's it. And so, uh, we, I just, that's why I know we don't believe, you know, the, that biblical idea of family. And, um, and so we, we now, we, we have to admit that we really have that first idea. And as Christians, you know, we, we almost, you know, we're trying, we, we hold on to the family really almost by willpower, not because there, there's really great reasons for it. It's almost like, well, God told us to do it. It's a sin to divorce. God hates divorce. I don't understand why. I don't understand why we have to fight so hard for it. It feels like I'm suffering. It feels like it's not worth it. Um, but out of sheer willpower and just the desire to obey God, I'm going to hold on to this marriage, which I, I think it's very admirable when people do that. But it's unfortunate that they're not given – the, the bigger picture for why God is so uh, adamant about us not destroying our family lines. Um, and, uh, and I think that if we can begin to really introduce this back into the Christian world as, Hey guys, you know, we, we left an idea behind. We, yeah. we made it as Christians to adopt the, this modern Western idea of family, you know, and we've forgotten the biblical idea of family is a multi-generational team on mission. Um, I think it's the best resource to helping families um, not only stay together, but to thrive and make sense of why we have these relationships and to be a great grandfather or grandmother surrounded by a thriving, beautiful family. When you're in your 60s, 70s, 80s, like it talks about in Psalm 128 as the pinnacle of life in terms of a, of a family experience to be at that table and to call graph. And again, it's a really a, an, we have an idea problem. We don't, we don't understand the ideas that give rise to that kind of family. In fact, we've rejected them and, you know, have forgotten them before most of us were born. So, um, you know, it's going to take some archeology span almost to dig up, you know, an ancient idea of family and begin to consider it once again. Now, 
with with all of that, do you? I'm going to try to piece this que- this question together in in a way that it, it makes sense saying it. it. It makes sense in my head, but I'm going to try to do this. Okay, we live we live in America, which is known as you know a very uh, some people call it a Christian nation. We know it's not a Christian nation, but there are there are a ton of Christians here. Um, yeah. But it's also a part of Western culture, which we've talked a lot about, and how it has a completely different view on family than the biblical view. Um, but right. being that we have so many Christians that have been so influenced by the Western culture, um, it it almost has has uh, there's so many Christians, and, and now this is kind of getting into my question. I've tried to you know explain this to uh, uh, some people around me and some of the pushback I get is uh, well we live in New Testament times not Old Testament um, mm-hmm. so how do you kind of address that how do you deal with that uh, uh, you know that pushback from that yeah no, that's a good question yeah I mean is the reason why we think of family as a collection of individuals and that the purpose of family, individual success, did that come from the New Testament? Like that's, that's their actual assertion when they say that. And yeah. the answer is that it did not come from the New Testament. That came from modern Western philosophy and culture. Um, because this idea of family, a multi-generational team, really you can find independently erupting in just about every culture throughout the world and has very recently been abandoned by, by the West, really since the Industrial Revolution. It's not a New Testament idea. You don't, you don't find a verse in the Bible that says, you know, um, focus on your individual life at the expense of your family. You will find um, a strong challenge from Jesus that his lordship extends above every other loyalty, which is 100% true. Um, Jesus is Lord, and that includes over, you know, any family ties or anything else. But that's not what started to disintegrate the family. It wasn't Jesus' call to lordship. It was, it was modern Western individualism. Um, and you can think about this with a little thought experiment. You'll, you'll see what I'm describing, and that is if, if tomorrow some huge catastrophe were to hit the United States and it was unclear whether or not, you know, you were going to be able to survive, you were going to be able to feed your family, you were going to be able to get medical care for your family. Um, uh, instantly, everyone would go back to the old way of thinking about family <laughs> because you would not be able to survive. Your children wouldn't survive. Your parents wouldn't survive. The kind of selfish individual life. It takes an incredible amount of wealth to create the kind of individual life that we have. It's, it's, really, it's really based much more on predictable stability um, and the decision to trust in that stability um, can, doesn't have to, but can give rise to hyper-individualism. And that's what we have today. It's not the New Testament that did it. Now, the other part of that is if you actually read what the New Testament says about family, children obey your parents, <laughs> you know, the, um, the, uh, um, the, the, the husband is the head of the wife, and in, especially in First Timothy 5, if you want to read a, a, a whole chapter of the Bible, the New Testament, that sounds like it came right out of the Torah, the uh, the old kind of the, the law, read First Timothy 5, and it talks about family in a very um, biblical way that's completely consistent with the rest of the Bible. It says things like, if you have a widow in your family, then your first responsibility is to provide for that widow. Now, that's really a weird idea in modern Western culture. In fact, I've never heard a sermon ever 
um, that says, hey, guys, you might want to serve the ministry here, but we need to check first to see if there's a widow in your family because yeah. it's clear from the New Testament that your first responsibility <laughs> is to care for that widow before you do ministry here. Never heard that litmus test, never even heard that encouragement. Again, it's a, it's a direct command in the New Testament, but it sounds so Old Testament from you know that person's perspective, kind of the question questioner like you were asking, um, that I think we just – what's happened is we're so hyper-individualized that we reject the verses both in the Old and New Testament that – that are really founded on this idea of family I'm describing. Um, it's not that it was ever taught as, um, hey, I got a new idea of family, Jesus said. It's hyper-individualism. Everyone should be out for themselves. You know, <laughs> it's like that's not, that's not coming from the New Testament. So, um, so I understand why where people feel, feel that because it's so clear in the Hebrew scriptures. Um, uh, it, when, it, when you have right in the, in fact, one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is in the Hebrew scriptures in the Torah, there are more verses about caring for your parents than for caring for your children. Um, and this is really shocking to a lot of, again, New Testament Christians. Um, again, it's not because, and, and the same is, you know, it's very similar in the New Testament. Again, all the verses that talk about caring for our parents in the New Testament just seem like we've forgotten them, but they're right there in the New Testament as well. But they are in um, large quantities in in the Torah and in the Old Testament and the Hebrew scriptures. Um, and it's important for us to remember that the Hebrew scriptures um, was the curriculum of the, the New Testament church. Uh, we know that in Second Timothy when Paul told him that all scripture, and when he said that, that's the word for the Hebrew scriptures, is God-breathed and is useful for correcting and training and, and righteousness. And so um, there's, no, there's no tension at all between the Hebrew scriptures and you know, the new covenant with regards to family. Um, they tell exactly the same story. Yeah. And that's, that's unfortunately, like you already said, it, it, it's unfortunately a, a missed point a lot, um, especially in our, in our Western culture. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely, I appreciate guys like you who are putting that emphasis on, you know, cause we, we, as so many of us as Christians were like, you know, yeah, I live, I live a, a Bible believing life, whatever the Bible says, that's what I believe. That's what I want to, how I want to live, how I want to do things. Um, but then us will, uh, us as those same people will, will miss this complete point um, of family where we'll live it in a Western culture way and not even realize that it's completely almost opposite of what's biblical. Yeah. Um, while at the same time we're saying, I want to do everything in a biblical way. Um, right. So I, I appreciate somebody like you uh, who is kind of basically standing, standing on, standing your ground and, and saying like, no, this is, this is what it is for real. Um, and also giving, giving practical steps and how to help, you know, help us through that because it, it's going to be a big learning curve. Um, Cause you're basically rewiring everything that we know. Um, so I can imagine just the stuff that you deal with um, as being the person who's helping a whole bunch of other people kind of rewire the way that they think. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's a challenge. One of the things that's really exciting, particularly what I noticed is that for a lot of men, it's like they suddenly realize like we're wired for, for the biblical idea of family. It, it's the only thing that really makes sense of the way family is designed. Like, 
um, why would a man who is an individual has a lot of power potentially to, I'm saying this as opposed to women, because oftentimes in a family setting, there's a really unequal thing that occurs, which is women get pregnant. They have to have the baby. They often, you know, want to care for the infant are wired to want to care for the infant. And so what happens is in Western culture, and we've been like just at war between the genders um, for, you know, especially the last 50, 60 years because of, there's a particular design that makes sense of this with, with regards to the way God designed family, but it doesn't make sense in an individual culture like what we've created. And so what I've noticed is that a lot of men, um, you know, they're, they're using their, in Western culture, man, they just use that, that independence from children, independence from women to, um, it's constantly, if, if, if not just sort of coaxing them to, you know, sort of collect their family to not care, or in some cases, just flat out abandon their families to uh, pursue their own individual self-interest. Um, when they start to see the way guys design family, for a lot of guys, they're like, oh my gosh, this is this now totally makes sense of why, um, why I'm built the way I'm built, you know, why God designed family the way he has. Like we, and this is, this is a, in one, just one example of how um, for a lot of guys, they wake up suddenly and to realize that they've inherited this incredible gift and that they get to steward it for a time and that they're not building like a little maternal nest that's going to self-destruct in, you know, 20 years. Um, but they're actually stewarding something and they're coaching a team that's going to persist into the future and that they have, you know, a precious uh, short amount of time to really invest in that thing that's going to last much longer than any of their other efforts in their life. Um, for a lot of men, they become really, really um, excited about the family for the first time. This was really my experience. Like, um, I think for some guys, if you know, if they're if they're totally not interested, um, maybe it wouldn't resonate. But I think for guys like me, maybe like you, Aaron, and probably a lot of guys that might listen to this, it's like you might be really wondering, like, I, I actually need to find something that makes sense of why I would invest in family. Why would I sacrifice for my family? Why would I prioritize my family in in all kinds of ways? And the modern Western idea doesn't give you good reasons for doing that. And you might, again, out of willpower and obedience, be really trying your best to be there for your kids and your wife. And But um, oftentimes, that's just not enough. And even if you do it, you're kind of feeling maybe dead inside, you know, while you're doing it. And man, yeah, I just, I want to see the option. I have seen so many families just flip and so many men, especially just go, Oh wow. Like I love family now. Like I love being a father, you know, just accepting and embracing that incredible gift as of that identity. Um, because it's, it allows us to not just, you know, love our wives and care for our children to build something that is of incredible worth and to get to build it, you know, while coaching a team that um, is such an amazing privilege. So that's, that's the other side of it for me is, yeah, there's frustrations and like, wow, rewiring and hard conversations, but there's also a ton of hope. That's the word that oftentimes comes to my mind when I think about this conversation. It gives hope um, to men and women who have felt like, you know, maybe family's hopeless. And when you, see and experience that it's it's very exciting wow definitely and 
and something I'm seeing in this uh, as I'm listening to you is there's a uh, there's an ongoing purpose built in as soon as we we view it uh, biblically and and because we as men especially we're I think we're also we're wired to uh, to constantly have something that we're going for and yeah. and so with this view there's there's a constant like we we constantly every moment of the rest of our lives viewing it this way we have a purpose that we're we're going after and 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 in like you said coaching our teams and, and building up our teams and i think that is probably why you've part of why you've seen so many men like you said just just uh seem to come to life again um when when they they realize this and they and they understand it uh, so that, that's that's so awesome um uh one last question i have um because i know that i know that this is probably a situation for for a lot of, of people um that might already know about you and what you do or, or are listening right now um and that question might be my spouse or my kids they're just not going to go for this so you know how how can i go about implementing this yeah <laughs> Well, I think what's powerful about um, ideas uh, is like they're, you definitely have to give them time. And for a lot of people, I feel like they, they need to, first of all, just really work on themselves and their own thinking. There's a lot of work to be done there. Um, and if you try when you, when you're almost excited about a new idea that you, you really haven't, you know, fully internalized um, you turn that, you know, around to others and try to get them excited. Sometimes you do get that, you know, that immediate pushback. And so I would, I would say, first of all, you know, really continue to go deeper in what the scriptures say about family and really understand who you are as a mother or a father, um, go deeper and deeper and sink your roots into the truth. Um, give yourself that time to really, you know, repent and believe, um, what the Bible really says about this topic. And, I think I think that that transformation that takes place in your own heart in your own life goes a long way to softening up those who are in your family, um, because there's so much good fruit that comes from believing the truth. You know, when Jesus said the truth will set you free, I think all these different areas of life, when you embrace the truth, it brings freedom, it brings life, and so you want your family to experience the fruit of that transformation in your own heart in your own life. Um, you know, to be often the foundation of their interest. Um, and so I would say that's, that's kind of the, you know, I would say usually for a lot of people, the first, the first step, um, and then oftentimes, you know, from there, um, I would say there's, there's a lot of kind of particular tools you can implement that you can figure out what, what would excite your family, you know, at that level. Is there, is there an expression of family-ness, you know, being a multi-generational team that would excite your family? Hey guys, let's. Can, can we serve together instead of all separate? Like, what, what if we, you know, what if we did our ministry together? Uh, what if we established a, a weekly meal that you could bring some of your friends to and we could, like, really celebrate uh, together and we'll invest in that together? Like, there's, there's probably a list of 20 or 30 of these kinds of tools that I would say for whatever family, whatever age your kids are at, there's, a, there's you know, ways to sort of baby step in that often really excite uh, members of your family. Um, again, 
you know, really starting with your own heart, your own mind, you know, renewing that first. But but some of these tools will really resonate. Um, and I think that, again, when you start to implement things, then that fruit becomes evident and the energy and interest grows. And so just taking those careful, short, um, intentional steps over a long period of time, and just keep in mind that family is the long game, that this is not the thing that you, you know, you attack with uh, an urgency um, or a, you know, sort of a, a, a zeal that, that could turn people off really fast because you've got decades and decades of investment and you need, you need those relationships to last and you don't want to wear out your family. Um, so I would say keep, keep, you know, keep hope high, you know, play the long game and, you know, carefully and slowly implement um, changes in your own life and then, you know, suggest ways that things can be um, altered and tweaked in your family that might really help them see the benefits of a transition like this, um, you know, and, and just keep, keep that steady pace, slow and steady. And man, we've seen that transform so many families over time. Yeah, and, and uh, I love what you said, uh, sink your roots in truth. And just that idea, again, of, of having a proper foundation, um, you know, your yeah. roots in truth and, and everything, uh, truth will, will sprout out from that. You know, you'll have, you'll have it grow in all different areas of your family and your life um, if it's rooted in that. So that's, that's great. Um, wow. Well, Jeremy, thank you very much. Uh, I'm so grateful for this, uh, being able to connect with you and, and talk with you. And uh, why don't you uh, share um, how people can find you and, and your work and, and all that? Sure. Yeah, you guys can find everything really at familyteams.com. Um, we kind of walk through this idea on that website. Um, we have some videos there. You know, we have lots of emails you can subscribe to my weekly email. I share uh, an email every Wednesday. You can follow us on Instagram, um, follow me on Instagram, and we're always sharing different stories and insights in this area. And then that family revision book that we were talking about, um, you can grab that at Audible or Amazon or fanteams.com. And probably the, the best step, if you can take it, is to come to one of our, our workshops, our weekends. And so we got one in Waco, uh, one in Seattle, and one in Cincinnati. So if you've got time to take just a day and a half to come join us uh, for one of those one of those workshops it would be I think super helpful to getting you know, especially the couple on the same page getting to meet and talk to other couples who are wrestling uh, with ideas and then we give you guys the first couple of tools that will really help you implement things and be practical as you go home so um, those are always top of my list if you can make it to those that would be super helpful awesome Awesome. Again, thank you very much, sir. Uh, it was, it was a, a pleasure and a joy talking to you. And, and I just pray that this message that needs to be heard um, just touches lives on, on whoever hears it. Uh, and I, again, I appreciate everything that you do. Um, so, so thank you. <laughs> just thank you for awesome. that. And thank you. Uh, thank yeah. you for connecting. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. Praise God. We are so excited to, man, get to share this message and, be uh yeah be be the messenger so thank you for for having me appreciate it of course all right sir thank you and uh and god bless awesome thank you